lesson on the Christian stewardship that we taught last Thursday evening, uh, this evening. But brother and sister Dib are with us, and what I will do is give it to you Thursday evening. Brother Seidel is scheduled to speak uh, next Thursday evening. He's not here, brother and sister Seidel are out of town, but we're just going to take his time and give him another time. So we'll teach the latter part of it Thursday evening for you. We just uh, very, very thankful that Brother and Sister Deb have come to be with us. They were here this morning, and I normally ask all guest ministers to speak, but I hadn't spoken here in some time outside of last Thursday evening, and I told Brother Deb, I said, I've got to do more than just come around and collect tithing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do I do really appreciate all of your uh, understanding. The camp in the summer has been a very, very busy time. And, of course, uh, we will be checking on the Camp Tabernacle again this week, so you pray for us. We just trust and pray that God will be able to help us get that tabernacle up. Perhaps we can even do it this fall. That would be real good if we could. At the same time, we're checking on some prices for our new building, Brother Manley said this past week he had a couple of interested parties, one church here in town along with a commercial firm. Let's just keep praying and keep believing the Lord and everything's going to work out all right. I'm, I feel very, very sure of that. Brother Dib, it's always been good to have you in my presence. I've just always felt very comfortable around Brother Dib. He's just a great man of God. I did not know until today that he was a policeman for 19 and a half years. Now, he looks like a policeman, doesn't he? Now, doesn't, can't you just see him on a street corner someplace with the, you know, all hooked up with all the apparatus that they do? He just looks like a policeman, doesn't he? But uh, when you talk with him, he sure sounds like a preacher. And I'm just so very glad that he's here, and we want him to take his liberty to bring to us the word of the Lord. God bless you, Brother Dear. Thank you, Brother Grant. We love you so very much. This people is privileged to have you as their pastor. We count it honor to be able to minister in this pulpit. We did not come to minister, uh, but to receive. We received blessing this morning. I thought that was such a good lesson of how God has made a way. And Brother Gaminder, he, he, he felt something this morning by being ushered out and placed in a place all by himself. I don't think there's any lonelier feeling than to be isolated, set apart from God's people. And I don't, having been in the world for 36 years of my life, and having lived a life of debauchery, hypocrisy, and just almost a gutter life, even though that I was a police officer. I know what it is to be saved. I know what it is to be saved from that type of life. I know what it is to be in the process of being saved from the world today. And the things that are going on in the world today. And I'm going to know what it is to be saved from the indignation that is to come upon the world. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
there remaineth no sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. That's the life that we were destined for. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to save us from that. And when Brother Geminder came out, he says, man, I felt like shouting. And I guarantee you, if we had the opportunity to live life afresh and new after having died, awaiting for the judgment, knowing the end would be wrong for us, then we would live our life differently. And that's the way that we should live our life. Paul says that we should live our lives as those that are alive from the dead. Praise God. I'm so thankful for that message this morning. And I just thought I'd just add that. That's not my message tonight. (laughs) But I want you to know that God has something special for you all. Would you turn to the Gospel of St. Mark? Chapter 4. Let me ask this. How many of you have come from another denominational part of the world? Have come out of other some denominational church? Just about everybody here has come out from among them and separated themselves and have been received as children of God. Chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. Mark, three verses, 8, 14, and 20. This whole uh, account is of about the sower and talks about the seed falling on the ground. Now, we are the ground, and I want to bring a special thought to you. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. Everybody say increased. Increased. And brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. And then verse 14, the sower soweth the word. Now the word is being planted in our hearts continually by the preaching and teaching thereof. And these, verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Then going back to the book of the Proverbs, chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. With the help of the Lord, I want to bring you a thought. Rise to the heights. Pastor Grant, would you pray? Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We know, Lord Jesus, that your word is spirit, it's life, and we trust and pray tonight that it will find its way deep down inside of our hearts. A new life, Lord Jesus, will be felt again and afresh. We trust and pray that upon your servant the anointing of God would come. 
Yes, Lord. And pray, Lord, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open to receive in Jesus that anointing. We may grow in your presence and be the people, Lord, that you want us to be. Thank you, God, for Calvary and for your blood that brought about this spirit that we feel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Almost all of us having come out of the nominal world, I think if you would admit you have difficulty in reading the Word of God without some prejudice rising up within your heart. I say that because we all have, through previous teachings and previous understandings, uh, preset notions and ideas in our heart when it comes to reading the pure word of truth. It's awful hard to set aside these things, and many people today... Look at through look at the Word of God through the tinted or tainted glasses of the elders of the quote unquote Church of the World. So we approach the Word of God sometimes with a distorted vision of what God really wants us to see. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is like a pair of glasses. It will correct our vision if we allow it to. The Spirit of God is given to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Hallelujah. It will correct our pathway. It will make the crooked paths straight. Hallelujah. He has come to shed light upon the thing that was heretofore darkened unto us and is completely darkened to some in the world today. So when one starts talking about our completeness in Christ Jesus and the Bible says ye are complete in him. And when it talks about completeness Hey, that means I I don't lack one thing in Him. I have everything that is necessary in Him. Hallelujah. And the requirements of a hundredfold perfection is possible. Now, God has not called any of us to be 30% Christian. He has not called us to be 60% Christian. He's called us all to be 100-fold Christians. Hallelujah. No matter what state you're in, we are not only human beings, but we are human becomings. God has called each one of us for a purpose. Hallelujah. One rendition of, of... that taking the dust out of the ground is he's taking the garbage. That word dust also applies to garbage. And he's taking the garbage of the world and hath breathed the breath of life into it. And this is what he's composed his church of. Not many righteous are called, brother. Hallelujah. But we were all in the depths of sin yet he saw fit to call you he saw fit to call me I don't know but I'm striving to find the purpose of his calling in my life I want to attain to that place where he has called me to I don't want to settle for anything less than what he desires of my life tonight I want to rise to the pinnacle of what he's established me for. And you should desire that within your heart also tonight. Amen. So 
We must not turn away from this possibility of being really what God wants us to be. He has not set a limit upon your life that you cannot attain. But with the calling that He has placed upon our lives, He is also empowering us to become just exactly that. Hallelujah. Praise God. You might say, well, that's not for me right now. Maybe for somebody else and maybe for me at some later time. No, don't limit God to time. But say today is my day. And let me do today what He desires me to do. Hallelujah. Be a 100-fold Christian today. Amen. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews is just chock full of Old Testament names and perhaps accounts of people even in the New Testament times that laid down their life for the cause of Christ. Amen. You know, just to say that I'm going to be 30% or a 60% a child of God is doing God a gross disservice. Don't limit God in His ability to fashion you and make you exactly what He wants you to be. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed many, many times that not my will but thine be done. Paul said it this way. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Hey, there's somebody else living in this skin of mine. Hallelujah. He says, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It is Christ now that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live. By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that life that we now live in the flesh should be lived none other by than by the faith of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Allowing his life and his faith in you. Do you know that he has faith in you today? He has confidence in you or he would not have called you. He called you for a specific purpose. And He wants to do that which is right by you. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. That His name would be glorified in the world. Right. Hallelujah. The whole gospel to the whole world. God became a man. Matthew 1.23 I want you to know He's still in man. He has a body. It's a church of the living God today to manifest His name before all people. To manifest His Spirit, His ability. Hallelujah. We cannot li uh, limit God by our own finite minds. We cannot limit Him by trying to comprehend Him in our humanity. But we must rise to the heights that he would have us to go. Do you know you can rise as far as you want in Jesus? You can be anything that he wants you to be. He sets no limits. As you are willing to walk with him, you'd be surprised to the heights that he will draw you. Hallelujah. He will set you on high. Hallelujah. You know when God's word speaks forth his great promises. You know what happens? Immediately our carnal mind goes to battle against that. Impossible. Hey, that sounds great, but man, I don't think it would work in me. Huh? You know, hey, that may be for Brother Grant, but me just a saint in the church. What does the Bible say? God is no respecter of personages. 
Hallelujah. What he does for one. If you allow him to do it. He will do it in and through you. Praise God. His word can become alive unto you. You can be a living manifestation of his spirit. Hallelujah. We are set apart. We're mocked. We're scorned. We're we're put down. And we die daily. Why? So that the life of Christ may be manifest through us. Hallelujah. That his life would be made manifest in us. Now we cannot uh, be driven back in our desires by past experiences. This is a great hindrance. You know, instead, Lot's wife, I, I mentioned to somebody here this morning, Lot's wife had a lot to look forward to. The Bible says, remember Lot's wife. She was the wife of a preacher. He was a righteous man, I should say. Who was vexed in his soul, yet his his righteousness did not save her. And she walked in accordance with the word of God for a while. But something got a hold of her. And she failed to walk on in the divine expression of God's word. We've got to believe this. Not only today. But tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. That it applies to my life. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. We cannot be saved today and lay it aside tomorrow. And hope to be saved in the end. But we must walk onward. And that onward walk is an upward walk. Enoch walked with God. And then he was not because God took him. He began to walk with God and it was a 300 year upward walk. But we're not going to have to walk that long. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, while talking about Lot's wife, we ought to talk about Lot himself for a little bit. Now, his past uh, outlook kept him from experiencing God's best. I believe that. Remember when Lot and Abraham separated? They were on the mountaintop. And Abraham says, Lot, you take your choice. You can have this high place, the mountain, or you can have the plains. Well, Lot looked out and he saw all the greenery towards Sodom and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He refused the mountain. Now we find Lot coming out of Sodom according to God's direction in the 19th chapter of Genesis. And 17th verse says, And it it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, nor stay thou on the plain. You've got to rise above your present life. Lot, you can't stay down here. You can't keep your mind and acts in the world. You've got to rise above these circumstances. You've got to flee to the mountain. Escape to the mountain lest thou be consumed. Remember, Lot had refused the mountain before. And something was fearful there that he rejected it. It was a barren life. It was a lonely life. It was life set aside apart by itself. And he looked towards Sodom and said, there's life down there. I see the greenery. I see everything that a soul would desire. But friend, it's not in the world. You cannot make league and desires for the world and have the best of God. You've got to look above those things. You've got to look towards the heavenly. 
Praise God. And Lot says, I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil overtake me, or take me, and I die. He saw a thing in the mountain that says, if you crawl up the mountain, if you get up there, you're going to have to die. But God said, rise. And Lot pleaded with him and says, Oh, let me escape thither. There is a little place over here. He says, I want to be just a 30 percenter. Or maybe a 60 percenter. I don't want to go all out. I don't want to have everything that you want me to have. Let me have this little place over here. You know, God will let you have what what you want. If that's all that you want, He'll allow you to go by your own way. He'll allow you to have that that you desire. And desire plays a big part in our life for Him. Oh, oh, that I could desire more of Him. When He says that we might know Him in the height, the depth, the breadth, and width, and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, I want that. My inner man says I want that, but I find a warfare going on in my system that this outer man says, no, I don't want all of that. I want something out here besides. And that warfare is constantly going on. He says, to the mountain, to the mountain, and this is God's call to our life. It's not the valley. The mountain sacrifices to the valley that the things in the valley can grow. Everything, everybody says, my, it's a mountaintop experience that I'm looking for. Friend, I don't know whether you know what you're asking for. Nothing grows on the mountaintop. There's nothing but death up there. You find all the accounts in the Word of God regarding mountains, and you'll find what goes on up there. There has to come that time when we must escape to the mountain, because the mountain is the only place that we can find life after all. Only when we die can we find life. He who seeketh to save his life shall lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall find life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lot had rejected the mountain before when he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He chose the easy road and we know How he was vexed in his righteous soul as he sat in the gates with the elders of the city. What did he lose by refusing the mountain before? We cannot tell. Maybe he wanted to meet him face to face just like he did Moses. Maybe he wanted to uh, reveal himself in a special way. But when you want something of God, it's going to cost you something. And maybe he saw that cost and he counted the cost and said, it's too dear. I can't pay it just like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He he said this and that and he boiled it down. He says, sell all that you have and give to the poor, poor. And the young man went away sorrowful. And he said, no man begins to build a tower unless he first counts the cost. Oh, friend, if you're here and you started in this life without counting the cost, oh, consider tonight. Make a decision tonight that you're going to go all the way for Him, no matter what the cost in your life. No, it was within the realm of possibility and probability of God to give Lot that experience that he desired. You know, we are living in a corrupt world today. 
the place that God was calling Lot to would have separated him from the sin and the destruction and the iniquity that was going on around about him. Jesus and God said, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. Hallelujah. And ye shall become my sons and daughters. But what was it that caused Lot to become argumentative with God and to refuse the things of God? We can only look at the past experiences of Lot and his uh, carnal desire. But you know, you and I argue frequently with God, don't we? We argue ourselves out of more blessings than we receive. I, I say that kindly. We argue ourselves out of more blessings then we receive. God wants to do ever so much more for us. Hallelujah. We fall so very short, much of the time, of God's 100 percenters. Now, we are aware of the pure, unadulterated scriptures and promises of God. And we become argumentative. Like I said, you say, well, that may be for Brother Grant or it may be for so-and-so. or, But it really, it doesn't quite mean me. It may be sometime down in the future for my life. But who limits God? Does God set a time? He says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Even today is the day of salvation. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have not the Holy Ghost, you need it. Today is the day that you can have it. Not 20 years down into the future. You may not exist that time. No man knows the day or the hour of his demise or Parting, For life is but a vapor. And we that live life live it so recklessly. Nobody here, I take it, sees themselves dying one hour from now. We say, well, it's possible for that one to go. And there are many in the hospital that may go. Even a minute from now. But how many of you right now say, I will die in one minute? We don't even look at ourselves dying for 20 years. Something down inside of us says, eternity lives in my soul. I will never die. And that's the truth. The, The inward man will never die. And that's the testimony that we receive. The flesh is the one that worries about death in the natural. The inner man knows he's going to live forever because God breathed the breath of life and God is eternal. So we know that we're going to live. And we cannot but help feel that tomorrow is a better day Better day sometimes. And tomorrow God will do it for me. But God is not hindered by time. He knows no time. He thinks in the terms of eternity. Praise God. So we become argumentative. So it was with Lot that he began to argue with God. And he pled with God. said, God, don't take me to the mountain. But give me Zoar. Now, Zoar means just a little thing. How many have been content to say, God, just a little blessing? Just a little blessing? Just a little strength? 
Oh, friend, I want to ask big. I mean, don't ask for a Volkswagen when you can have a Cadillac. Don't ask for worldly things when you can have heavenly things. Praise God. Let's not put a limit on God. But ask largely, let let your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there was a man named Anselm once said, I must believe that I may know, not know that I may believe. A lot of us are in that category of saying, I've got to know before I can believe. But God does not operate in that realm. He says, you must believe before you know. Hallelujah. When you believe, I'll make it real to you. When you believe, I'll let you experience it. Hallelujah. That's moving into the realm of faith. Now we can never take the truths of God and try to digest them and to pick them apart and allow them to mix with our fleshly concepts. Trying to say, is this... uh, thing uh, possible or impossible or or try to uh, fathom the word of God. We've got to accept the word of God on face value. Then we operate in the realm of believing before we know. Hey, how many have asked you, how can you love somebody that you've never seen? How many has ever seen Jesus in the flesh? How many love him? That's that's faith. Faith in an account that somebody died for your sins. And that you have received that uh, person in your heart. And they have manifested their spirit in and through your life when you believe. By baptizing you and immersing you in their spirit. Nothing less than the spirit of God. Can you give him a hand clap tonight? (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 If we are ever to know. We first must believe. If we try to know that we may believe, then our lives will be totally without faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God first must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder. Everybody say a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job says, Hey, though I go to the grave, yet in my flesh will I see the Lord. Hallelujah. And one of these days, friend, if I go by the way of the grave, then in my flesh, I know that it's not going to stay in the ground forever. But one of these days, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this mortality shall be changed into immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this body shall live unto his, like unto his glorious body. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, and our lives are lived without faith. Is, is emptiness. Emptiness. We cannot experience anything that God desires without faith. By faith, you receive them. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What do you hope to be for God? Have you ever thought about your calling for God? 
Have you ever wondered, God, what is it you've called me for? Or have you dared to ask him? (laughs) Hey, you know, it's exciting living by faith. He's called you to be saved, first of all. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you haven't made that step tonight, you need to take that step and turn from your sin. And turn unto him, the giver of life. Now, are you complete in him or are you not? How many of them feel that they lack something in Jesus? I see hands falling now. <laughs> lack something in Jesus. No, listen. Could the angry waves have ever destroyed the boat that he was riding in? Why do we get so fretful when circumstances come against us? Is he not in the vessel? Hallelujah. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Are you going through any of your life's circumstances totally alone? You need to have your eyes opened if you feel that way. I will never leave you, nor forsake you, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. If there's any leaving that's been done, we've left him. His cry to those in the vessel says, Oh, ye of little faith! Hallelujah. What does it take to make us fully aware and believe in Him? What does it take to be on the mountain of His 100%? Now, there's a law in science and it works in every way that all forces move along the course of least resistance. We often say, God, why are you blessing that one over there? Why don't you use me? God will take the course of least resistance. Will he use somebody less spiritual? The Corinthian church lacked in no spiritual gifts. God will use a person that is yielded to him and will perfect their lives along the way. Praise God. We cannot resist the move of the Holy Ghost Amen. The barriers of our resistance to his divine purpose and will will restrain him. He's gentle as a dove and a dove is easily affrighted. When we start balking and and start moving and, and start resisting the spirit, he'll just go to somebody else and light on them and draw them and use them. But I I want to be used in a mighty way. I know what it costs. Can we with the great apostle say, "For, for to me, to me, to live is Christ. To me, to live is Christ. Oh, the impact of those words. The very essence of Paul's life was Christ-likeness. He was a Christian of Christians. He became all things. 
that by all means he might win some. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place tonight. There are some, some shamgars here. There are mighty men of valor. There are Davids who with a sling defeated the giant. And with his bare hands he rent the lion. And with his bare hands he tore down the bear. There are some Eleazars here tonight who fought the Philistines single-handedly until his hand clave unto the sword, and they had to pry his hand away from the sword that he might be free from it. There are some young hearts here tonight and some older peoples with desires to know God in a deeper way, and they're not going to lay down the sword and not stop fighting. And there are some dreamers here like Joseph's, and there are some young women here tonight that are like Ruth with determination in their heart. Whether he goeth, I will go. Wherever he goes, I'm going to go. Wherever he sends me, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to devote my life unto him. And I'm going to go. And there are some Esthers here who will pour themselves out in intercessory prayer they will get on their knees and plead before the king of kings for souls praise God and there are some Marys who desire the greater things they desire to sit at his feet and learn and there are the other Marys who will break the alabaster box and begin to worship and praise him until the place is filled with the essence of the glory of God Hallelujah. And there are the Dorcases, the one who will minister to those that are out in the world. Praise God to the mountain folks, to the mountain. There was mountains in the word of God. Amen. The mountain in the land of Moriah where Abraham was called to sacrifice his son Isaac, his only son Isaac. There was a mountain the Mount Carmel where Elijah was called to confront the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the grove, 850 strong he stood against them. Praise God and he believed God to perform a miracle before their eyes to rain fire down from heaven to assume the sacrifice that was covered with water. Oh, how much can you believe God for on the mountaintop tonight? There is the Mount Sinai where Moses stood and ministered before God and God ministered to him. Oh, would you like to see him face to face tonight? There's that mountain pinnacle that you can rise to higher than any other has ever gone before according to the desire that is in your heart. And there's the Mount Calvary that Jesus rose to looking under the cross. And I want to tell you tonight that there's a mountain before you that bears a cross for you. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley causes no shadow. It's the rising things around it that cause the shadow. And something on the mountain cast a shadow upon David as he walked through the valley. Perhaps it was a cross. Perhaps it was a way of death. The mountain of death rose above him. But there's no way of rising to the pinnacle of a Christian or a spiritual life without rising and embracing the cross that is upon it. Hallelujah. The place of 100% is a mountain of sacrifice. We cannot have life without sacrifice. And it's a place of total commitment. Would you rise? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not 
unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Are you willing, no matter what the cost? How long has it been since you said, Yes, Lord, no matter what the cost, I'm going to serve you. Have you been embracing things of the world and you just want to settle for 30 or 60 percent? Don't stop there. Before there can ever be a Mount of Olives, there's got to be a Mount of Calvary. There's got to be the sacrifice before the blessing. And even before Calvary, there's got to be that Gethsemane, the place of laying aside. Now mountain climbing is not easy, I'll grant you that. Even the most experienced climbers in all of the world, when they ascend to the top of Mount Everest, they leave all others behind. And the the, the assault on the top is made all alone. How high do you want to go? The Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is laid before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who would rise a little bit higher? Tonight would you step out? God has talked to you. Who will join these that are coming? You can't bring anybody with you. You're going to have to come alone. Won't you come? Coming around the front, why don't you find a place to kneel and pray?